Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind. My name's Will Fleming. Thank you all for joining me on the podcast. It's seriously a bit of an honour to have an audience along to follow the journey. If you're new to the podcast, what's the journey? It's a very good question. I'm on a journey. My name's Will Fleming. I'm a podcaster from New Zealand. I'm trying to find out what my place is in the world. I know that sounds strange and your question may be, why the hell are you doing it in the public forum? Well, I want to be an example of someone who puts their hand up and says, I don't know the answers to everything. I don't have an opinion on everything. I just have questions like, what makes us feel fulfilled in life? Why is it that society tells me I need to earn money, but my body tells me that I need to find love? What even is love? How do you quantify love? All of these questions. I have answers. No, I do not have answers. I have questions too. So the podcast is a bit about that. It's also a bit about acknowledging the fact that we live in times where the temptation is to oversimplify very complicated things. And so in that, I find myself uh, making this podcast every week for me, for you, for us, uh, a conversation about the times we live in. Um, I also want to highlight individuals who are out there working hard at their discipline and potentially working so hard that the rest of us don't know about it. So I want to celebrate them. I want to highlight the work they do. And it's really good fun, actually, to sit down and have a conversation with someone. I don't know of any other time where I put aside an hour with no phones, hardly any technology, and just talk. Most of my day is based around technology and time on screen, and I find it fascinating. So hopefully you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast on YouTube, and you will maybe make time to do only that. Yeah, so there's some kind of interesting ideas in there, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on YouTube, on Anchor. Uh, if you would, you know, if you wouldn't mind, leave a, a nice little review. Uh, I, I heard that helps. It helps the algorithm on iTunes, and the goal is to have as many uh, people listening to Please Blow My Mind. That's a that's a worthy goal. Um, just behind the worthy goal of trying to have good conversations. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. But before we do, sorry, one little quick sell. Can I just uh, give a little whoop whoop to uh, my give a little page? So I'm currently fundraising money to buy a caravan and to make it into a podcast studio so I can travel around New Zealand and hopefully the world and interview interesting people and make content and that's kind of one part of it the other part is that I want to empower others to do podcasts you know so I don't want technology like the microphones and the cameras to be a barrier so I'd like to take this podcast around and just you know let people use it uh get their message out to the world. One thing I thought that would be interesting to do with kind of like young people and old people is to combine them 
in a podcast and get the young people to ask the old people questions and the old people to ask the young people questions. And I think that would be interesting because in this world of algorithms and what our social media platforms provide us, I don't think those worlds meet. But in the real world, we're all here. We're all young and we're all old and it's just a spectrum. And I want to find ways to... I don't know man, break the rules or bend the fabric of what's normal and you know, I don't even want to be that out of it, that crazy, I just want to do things that remind us that we're all part of this thing. So if you wouldn't mind jumping on the Give A Little page, I think you go to givealittle.co.nz and you search Podcast Caravan Studio. I think I'm the one that pops up. And yeah, I'm trying to raise $10,000. I think I'm almost up to $2,000. So thank you to all the mind blowers who have donated. Um, recently, I uh, asked the Give A Little team if I could extend the page because when you sign up, you have to kind of give an end date. And it was for three months, and I asked them if I could extend it out to January next year. And the main reason was, I thought I was going to raise this money in three months. And I think if I really pushed, I could. But I started realizing that I would have been asking people for bigger donations to try and, you know, get my way through the 10000 And I'm actually interested in more small donations. I feel like that's more in line with the podcast so I've asked them to extend it um, that also will give me more time to work with kind of corporates maybe to help fund parts of the podcast I have an idea that if you're a corporate sponsor you may help support the podcast caravan studio and you'll get your logo on the side and I thought that was quite nice as a mobile billboard or something anyway so that's the give a little page and now let's get on with the show my friend Guy Pigden joins me. Now, he's a filmmaker. He's a wrestler. He's an interesting person. And I've had a few podcasts over the years, and I've always asked Guy to be a guest on them because one, I just generally love chatting to the man, and two, he is just always up to something new and always working through a constant state of happiness and disappointment. <laughs> you know, he's a creative, he's an artist, and I feel like that's part of the pleasure and the burden. And and it fits in with my podcast, you know. I'm about the light and the dark and working out where we sit in that tension. And I'm just I'm just a little bit interested in his wrestling story too, so He's like a legit, like one of those WWE wrestlers, but, you know, the Kiwi versions. Um, and it's an interesting story. Uh, it's, it's a story about following your dreams. It's a story about you may think you've reached the peak and then the floor falls away under you. It's a story about how most of our lives are. It's not a story about, uh, you know... He flew into the sunset and everything was chirpy. No, it's a story about some days are chirpy, other days are tough. And um, I, I relate to that. Um, I think we all relate to that. So this episode is with Guy Pigden. Uh, thank you, Guy, for joining me on the podcast. And yeah, I think that's about it. Let's jump into the episode. Just want to say thank you again to every single one of you who are listening or watching really does mean a lot that you come and hang out with me 
Will Fleming from New Zealand. Once a week, we catch up, we hang out, we do this thing. All right, team, enjoy the episode, and uh, yeah, choose. That means goodbye in German. We live in a world that encourages us to remove ourselves from the human experience. Whether it's looking at our phones too long, forgetting how to talk to someone face to face, or just straight up giving in and convincing ourselves that a chicken nugget is actual food. It's not food, it's silence. I don't know about you, but this freaks me out. So I've started a podcast, my antidote to this silliness. It's time to blow our minds. My name is Will Fleming. Welcome to my podcast, Please Blow My Mind. And boom, sitting here. Is this recording? It's recording. Okay. Yeah, we're going. Okay. This is amazing, right? This is technology. Amazing. Uh, Guy, how are you? I'm good, Will. Um, Now, I want to get through the bio. Okay. you got quite an impressive bio now. I've done a few podcasts with you over the years. Yes. And the bio keeps growing. It does. It went from filmmaker yep. to wrestler. Yep. Soon to be teacher. Hopefully. <laughs> There's a lot going on in your world. How do you describe yourself when someone says, hey, man, what do you do? Uh, I always say I'm a filmmaker first and foremost. Right. Uh, so that's kind of what I define myself as. Um, but I do sort of do you know, a lot of other things. And I guess within filmmaking, a lot of different hats. Um, but, you know, for me, I like to think of myself as a, a writer-director, uh, but I'm also a videographer, an editor, um, and a sometimes actor, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, sort of many other things. And as you mentioned, I am also a professional wrestler. Yeah, uh, wrestler. this is um, like legit, right? Like for entertainment? That's right, uh, like the WWE. So like if you imagine... You know, I think everyone's point of reference is probably still uh, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, if you think about Hulk Hogan yeah. or um, I guess more recently, uh, jumping ahead another generation, Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock. Yep. The Rock probably, again, he's the most famous professional wrestler of this era. Um, so I do that. I do professional wrestling, which is it's not real wrestling in the sense that you're it's not amateur wrestling where you exchange holds and try and get a pin on the other opponent uh, opponent like yes you do that but it's it's entertainment it's right. it's like uh um you know very physical theater you might say um although anytime you try and explain it like that or you try and break it down you kind of you don't really do it justice because it, it is a type of performance art right you are storytelling in the ring that's definitely what i think of it as but, you know, obviously people say, well, it's not real, it's fake. And it's like, it's not real in the sense that the, the winners and the losers aren't, uh, are predetermined. Mm-hmm. It's, it is part of an ongoing story um, that you're trying to tell. However, within that, it is incredibly physically demanding. It is incredibly uh, painful and punishing. And, and so, you know, it, it's, it's fake as in we're not trying to hurt each other. Uh, we're trying to make it look like we are. And we are also hurting each other, but just not to the same degree that yeah. you might believe, you know, uh, if you were bought in 100% to, to it. Is it a childhood dream? It is a childhood dream. And that's the thing is, for me, when I was 
um, 16 years old, I was convinced that I was going to be a professional wrestler. I was convinced that I would be in the WWF slash WWE. Wow. Um, I made a bet with my friends. I bet them $100 that if I was not a, a successful professional wrestler by the time I was 30, I'd give them all $100, which seemed like a lot of money at the time. <laughs> still a lot of money to me, still to, to be money. perfectly Don't honest, because I owe three of my friends that. Yeah. I haven't paid them. Good. Um, but... So I made that bet because I was so convinced. And then pretty much at exactly that time, I discovered filmmaking. I discovered making movies. And I found something that I was equally as passionate about, if not more so. So as I continued, I sort of moved away from wrestling. I still watched it. I was still a fan. I never sort of grew up and grew out of it in a way that sort of all my friends did because at that time wrestling was very hot every kid in school was watching wrestling true and quoting and talking wrestling but that kind of phase is gone now and now it's gone back to being a bit more niche mm. um however all uh, people just kind of grow up it's it's great when you're a, a kid and when you're when you're that age but people can see it as you know a bit cheesy or a bit hokey you know as they get older because they can they can no longer suspend their disbelief they can no longer buy into it but to me, I say it's that's very similar to a an, a long running soap opera or drama in that way. Uh, you know that can seem cheesy or hokey, mm. but if you buy into it, it can be incredibly rewarding. So anyway, getting a little bit sidetracked, but no, but that's the whole point. Um, uh, that, but just on that point yes. though, you you mentioned something that's really interesting to me in, in this podcast, which is a sense of disbelief. Yep. And I feel like we're trying to algorithm our way out of anything that can't be proved. And you mm-hmm. know, we just had dinner before this podcast and we talked a, a little bit about, you know, what does it mean to get a vibe of something, a sense yeah. of, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a chemical reaction or like you know you trust your gut or something like that but it seems to be all of those things being eroded away in favor of you know a process document which says this is a b and c and i I guess i'm just trying to work out you know as i've always tried to work out and 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 through conversation and, and hanging out with people and doing this podcast is like why do we not celebrate the fact that uh, we don't have to know if it's real or not. You know, mm. um, does it go in waves? Is that what the superhero films are trying to offer us? Are they really popular now because we're so process driven that we need to um, believe in something magical? You know, maybe it's deeper than what we're giving it credit for. Yeah, I think uh, filmmaking has always mm. given people a sense of escapism. And some of those big movies especially do. And I think people do need that because we are sort of encouraged to be so rational and logical. Um, And I do think that, like, I am a rational, logical person, but, you know, it that does not mean that I still don't enjoy that idea and that possibility and that some coincidences lead to things that sometimes in the way you feel like the, you know, like I, I, I... have a friend or not really a friend but I know someone who talks about the universe the universe will provide which I think is total bullshit I think it's the most ridiculous thing to say and it undermines hard work and all that sort of thing but in saying that I do kind of feel like the universe does have a funny way of leading you to things or people that you would never expect that you would never anticipate that but that seem to kind of I don't know work out um uh 
and in other ways it seems to everything is to be working against you and nothing's yeah. going right. Um, yeah. But but you know if you kind of take a kind of snapshot of your life and you look at it and you like look at all the strange bizarre coincidences that led you to certain things. For example, you know I made the zombie film and. I ended up making it with all the people that I made my first short films with. And you go, well, isn't that a natural progression? Well, not really, because I moved from London, I moved to Wellington, I moved back to Dunedin, all my friends dispersed across the world, you know. Um, you know, it's 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 not, you know, it's, it's 10 years, or it's more than 10 years later. So it's not actually that we would all just come together to make that thing, but we kind of did. Mm. And kind of all those people that were in my first film somehow helped me uh, or were a, a huge part of of you know that film, mm. so I don't it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I just think it's interesting in the way that these kind of coincidences do wind up happening, and um, yeah. And I guess what I'm at this point in my life, and and I'm open to change. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I kind of think that maybe we should be not basing everything off the coincidence, but being open to a coincidence happening, you know, like that's right. I, otherwise, what are you, the other option just seems to be, well, there's no hope really. Yeah, I think, no, look, I agree. I think that's probably a better way to put it mm-hmm. is that you're sort of open to whatever might happen and open to changing your course based on, yep. Who are these people that you met? Who are these new people, or old yep. people that bump back into you or in your life, or this new idea that you could latch onto, or you could go, mm, nah. Um, I mean, as we sort of talked about, I'm just going to stick to doing the safe thing at the safe job or right. whatever, instead of being kind of uh, encouraged. Okay, no, like, okay, yeah, this is risky. This is a mm. bit risky, but let's go after it because, you know, that's probably where the best things happen. And. You know, you mentioned something when you were talking about your wrestling that um, for me it's irrelevant if it's real or not. Mm-hmm. Real or not. You're getting hurt. You're yes. uh, physically going through theatre. Yep. And isn't that what everything is about? Isn't that what we're doing when we're debating someone with words? We're going through theatre so we don't have to fight with fists. Yes. Like why would people be okay with boiling things down to not giving it the – respect it deserves so i mean yeah you know i just i just think that i want to make a really strong point to say the things we take for granted every day oh that 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 stuff's a waste of time you know why don't Mm. you do some other stuff well because who's going to define what that other stuff is Mm. and 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 why you know why how many of those neurons in your brain have you made so happy by following a childhood dream for example absolutely and that's the thing like um for me wrestling i you know, I say I'm a professional wrestler now. I'm a professional wrestler from two years ago mm. when I started at sort of uh, 33, I guess. I started my training at 33, which, in case you're wondering, is about um, sort of 15 years older than you would normally be when you start Boom. when you start your training. And also, just like if you took a slice of people that started at my age – uh, well there aren't any but if there were there's like literally one or two that ever went on to ever be successful it is you know wrestling is something that takes a decade to get good at mm. so when most people kind of hitting their stride they're hitting 30 I'm going to be hitting 42 43 and be much closer to retiring than they will be if I'm still you know able-bodied and able to do it so everything is a little bit harder for me and I can see like you know, like I have some advantages being old. Being old gives you a lot of advantages mm. because you feel more comfortable in yourself. 
you're able to sort of calm yourself down a little bit. I mean, it is still very, I still get super nervous before the matches, you know, Um, but you're able to control over that. You're in better control over it. You know who you are more and you know, I know my strengths and weaknesses, so I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to cover up and try and do all the things that I can do badly. I'm trying to do the things that I can do well and I know I can do well in the ring. And there's also things, things, there's lots of things that I can't do in the ring. Uh, And, you know, when I was younger, I'd probably be very angry that I couldn't do them. And now I'm like, okay, if I can't do them, what can I do and how can I do those in an interesting way? Um, And even from a character perspective, like presenting a character, like if I was 20 and I was going out there, I would be sweating. I would be so nervous. Do I look cool? Do I look too cool to people? I was also always obsessed. Am I cool? Do I look cool? You know, like we're all so self-conscious at that age and I'm not self-conscious anymore. I'm there. I'm 35. I don't give a shit. My hair is gray. Uh, I'm I'm here to have fun and if I look old to you, I'm all good with that. <laughs> you know, like whatever your takeaway of me is, that's all good. I'm not yeah. I'm not worried what you think of me really. Mm. Um and so I think that, you know, that is an advantage, but I came to wrestling very late and I came to it purely out of love and joy for doing something that I would al- always dreamed of thought I was going to do and then never thought I was going to do. So if you if you went back two years prior, so if you hit me up at 31 and said, hey man, you know, in a few years time, you're going to be wrestling uh, all over <laughs> all over uh, New Zealand um, and, you know, you're going, to, you're going to be called Alex Savage and you're going to be a wrestler and you're going to spend like a lot of your time, a lot of your money and, uh, you know, really heavily invested this. I've, uh, no, I'd say no. There's no way. There's absolutely no way because I'm too old. I've got this other path that I'm doing. And I, how could I even do that? How is it even possible? I don't even know how you would start that. Right. And, but that's happened. And uh, <laughs> all of that has happened. And it is because, you know, ultimately, um, uh, I really wanted to do something. I thought I'd give it a go and see what happens. I'll give it a go. This is a new path. This is a weird thing. I was doing it originally purely to research for a film that I wanted to make. Right. Really? And, and yeah, so I, and I still do, I'm planning to make a film about professional wrestling. And I was like, well, if I want to be in this film, then I have to be, I have to train to be a wrestler. I can't just be talking about it from a, a very knowledgeable fan's perspective. Right. I have to really understand it is what I'm doing, what I'm writing about, what I'm talking about. So I said, at least do some training and see how it is. And then I started doing the training and I was like, man, <laughs> this is way harder than I thought it would be. Like a million times, there's so much more that goes into it that I never even thought. Um, but I'm just going to keep doing it. And as I kept doing it, I found that that love and passion that had always been there just kind of lying dormant and it just completely reignited uh, reignited and became this sort of really burning you know fire that just uh, you know and and now I'm just doing it cuz I love it I'm not doing it because I'm going to make a movie about wrestling that's a separate thing now now I just do it because I love professional wrestling right and I'm having so much fun doing it and also I think it's a very rare like that you can find something that you can constantly improve and get better at at our age um, that you are really passionate and excited about, mm. that you just stumble back across. Like, you know, a lot of things you'll, you'll do, but it's a chore to do them or you'll have to learn something. You're like, yeah, but, I mean, it's okay, but mm. I'll do it because I have to. Right. Um, but when you kind of see something that 
in the way, the same way that filmmaking is constantly evolving, constantly improving, constantly learning, get better. You can do that till you die, basically. Same can be said for pro wrestling. You you can keep doing, you keep learning, you keep adding things in psychology, um, storytelling, your in ring work. It can all just keep getting better. And I think, and and it's fun to do in the same way that filmmaking can be fun to do. Mm. And so that's what really attracted me and I, I don't actually think there's that many things out there like that necessarily or there hasn't been for me right and and there's a couple of things I want to pick up on two words that come to mind you talked about love and fun yes and how often we don't talk about that in our careers yeah and that's surprising because that seems not logical and humans pride themselves on being pretty logical Maybe. Mm. Maybe we think at a base level we are, but I don't know what's in control of what we do. Yeah. You know, um, it seems to me that there's another version of your filmmaking career, which is, uh, you know, how do I say it without making it sound like I wanted to say hugely successful? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because let's say it is successful because point probably 5% of New Zealand have ever made a feature film. Sure. You're in a smaller camp then you probably give yourself enough credit for this, right? Yep. Um, but if you had have had this career where you were busy, you were like on that Taika yes. um, level, do you think that you would have picked up this passion again for wrestling? Or do you think wrestling was a way for you to just process that the filmmaking's taking a bit longer to kick into gear? I think absolutely uh the latter I think mm. that you know it's it's because you know also with my filmmaking career like I've had great success I'm very grateful for everything that has happened in my yeah. career um, but I also am not successful the way I imagined that I would mm. be you know I'm a, a million miles away from where I imagined I would be at this age um, now that doesn't mean that where I am is bad it just means that you know, in my ideal world that I imagined when I was starting out, it, it was not this. Um, and I think absolutely wrestling has given me just something to, because also then filmmaking can become a job. That mm. trying to uh, get to that next level can become a job, you know? Um, whereas, you know, the wrestling is like, whatever happens with wrestling, you know, whether I you know, improve and, and become more and more successful to the point where I could start really earning money doing it or whether I simply stay at this level or and just keep improving on a smaller scale. It's all good. Mm. It's just, it is, I think you're right. It's a way to uh, express my creativity in a slightly different format purely for love, mm. no other agenda involved, yeah. nothing, nothing else. You know, whereas because filmmaking is like, well, I do have to try and earn money. I do yeah. have to do certain things. I do have to go for this funding because otherwise I can't make this thing. Mm. There's there's a few more layers to it. Um, whereas this is, yeah, it is just pure enjoyment. Man, you know, I'm always struck by how complicated life is. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems it's like this uh, perfect sum where you can – or like the infinity staircase, you know, where you can see the start, you can see the end, and it just looks like it keeps going. I don't know if you've seen those illusions. Mm-hmm. But life for me is like this illusion where on the surface it seems so simple. Yep. But the deeper you look into it, 
the blurrier it becomes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's like things that I can't get my head around. It's like, well, does the bad stuff have to happen so the good stuff ha- um, can happen? And what even is the good stuff? Mm. And what does that mean in a lesson? Are we really saying go for something and pre- be prepared to really fail? Because if you do fail, that will help you unlock the door to the next thing. Mm. And and maybe that is what life is. You know, this is probably the thing I'm trying to work out for myself is what is the goal? Is the goal to be happy? Is it to be satisfied? Is it to have enough money in the bank? Is it to have a mixture of those things? But ultimately, you know, is it being vulnerable enough to give it all up? And mm. isn't that what bloody, and sorry to get all funny but i'm going through the stage isn't that what jesus did like Mm. give it all up and then so you loop back around and you say well is everything for nothing or is everything for everything yeah (sighs) well i I think that you're right that it is striking a balance between those three things Mm. if you don't have enough money you're not going to be happy because it's just going to be too much of a struggle yeah if you aren't doing things that fulfill you enough, but you have a lot of money, you're going to be incredibly miserable because, right. you know, uh, and I, I probably know more people like that than any anyone. If you, you know, I guess everything is given the amount of weight that you personally assign to it. Right. Um, so, you know, for me, filmmaking was always life and death. And any time that I make a film, I treat it like that. Mm. I really treat it like that. But it's not. It's not. It doesn't matter. If my film sucks, it actually doesn't matter. Mm. Like, it matters to me, and it might matter for my career, but ultimately it doesn't actually matter in terms of the big grand scheme of things. Mm. Um, But I treat it like it does, so it is for me. Right. Um, And I think there's a lot of these things that we have to assign and say, well, what is it for me that, uh, how important is it? is it life and death for me and then you kind of you have to you know sort of base your decisions off that but also respect other people because their life and death things won't be the same as yours right. and you have to afford them uh, a, a certain level of understanding that okay um, okay so you know it's not I don't I think this is silly <laughs> like I think wrestling is some people say I think wrestling is silly but I see what it is for you. Mm. It's not that for me, but I see what it is for you. And then that's just as important as this thing that I hold that dearly, whatever it might be. Isn't that an awesome plan? Yeah. Yeah. If man. you can if you can do that. Yeah. Well, if you can see it. If, yeah. And what you're saying is you will find that thing that's super important for you to put your investment into. But uh, it's like, how? I guess, how, how do you find that? And that's what I come back to. It's, it seems to be the only way you can find it is by traveling down a path, you know? So, yeah, I agree. If you don't have enough money, you can't probably be in that headspace to think. Hmm. So what does money equal? Probably a roof and some food, yep. you know, at its core necessity. Yep. And, and is that what we're saying when we're saying money? Having enough to have a roof and food? And just be comfortable, I guess, so that every bill that comes along isn't. Oh shit! I'm, 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 I'm. Can I swear on this? Not really, okay. but that's all right. Oh. Well, I haven't, I haven't had a guest who's sworn. Yet. <laughs> oh, I'm screwed because <laughs> uh, this bill is just gonna destroy me mm. for the next three months mm. of me having to make up for it, and I'm now gonna be forced to 
do crazy hours and mm. work this and sell my this and sell my this to, to make it. So it's just having the a, a certain level of comfortability that everything isn't a disaster if it goes a bit wrong, I think. Because I'm speaking from someone who's been on the fringe of this sort of thing of, of from being comfortable when I'm just comfortable and it's all good and then not really having enough money and then a bill comes up and it's a huge disaster. And then your focus has to... Uh, be just entirely focused on that instead of all the cool cool stuff. Yeah, but again, it's like, I don't know if you get to the cool stuff without the drama of the... Oh, yeah. It's like the, you know, the darkness has to give guy and, you know, get him going. And, totally. And fight, <laughs> fight your way out. So, I don't know. I think, um, I guess the point for me is that it's just really... It's really scary how deep it can go mm. and it seems to be everything opposite Yep. What you think about comfort and having things probably works against you with this ultimate thing of your own meaning, you know? Um, oh, it certainly can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just trying to, I think it's maybe trying to embrace that a little bit and, and not all the time doing things that screw you, yep. but but putting yourself in enough scenarios, i.e. wrestling, mm-hmm. i.e. trying something like a podcast. Yep. And, and, and there's some... Um, there's some things that may not go right in that, you know, yeah. and and it could end up that you you should have been concentrating on your other job instead yes. of podcasting, <laughs> which is something I often think about. Um, okay, well, let's go down a slightly different path, sure. and then we'll come back to a little bit about who you are, um, because I'm I'm interested in that, and and I think uh, my audience audience is interested in the people I chat to just to like work out. What bits of you are like them? Yes, you know, and 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 trying to work that out. But the path I want to go down. Have I got enough time? Oh, can I quickly just um, sell some advert? Go for it, mate. You don't mind sitting here while I <coughs> sell a quick. Um, okay, thanks, guy. So uh, this episode is brought to you by FloatCulture.co.nz. Now. Uh, floating is something that people do now. It's like meditation. It's you lie in the salty water in the dark, <coughs> excuse me, and you um, you float. You look out into the abyss of your mind. And there's a company in Auckland called Float Culture who can do all your floating needs. So, uh, actually, why am I? I made a cool advert. Watch the advert, and we'll be back in just a second. I don't know why I just did a big. Cell, anyway. How was my cell? Would you go floating after hearing that? I would, actually. And obviously, you know, when man <laughs> when man stops and stares into the abyss, the abyss the abyss stares back into Ooh, you. So that's uh, so when you float on the abyss, maybe the... I don't know, it doesn't quite work. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a minute. We think life is about having the latest phone. Hello? Self-driving car, a fat-free, carefree, think-free living, trying to explain the complexity of the world in about 140 characters. Guess what? 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 Life is way deeper than that. To understand what we need as humans and how deep the human hole goes, we need to look inwards. We need to look at floating as a way to cut everything out, turn off the machine, and be with nothing. That's better. Now let's start this baby on. Engines, three, two, one, up and away. You see life is busy, but floating gives us a super-powered, hypercharged connection with our mind that can relieve stress by simply doing nothing. If you want to explore your mind and the float culture of New Zealand, then jump onto floatculture.co.nz and book your float today. That's floatculture.co.nz. It's one small step for man, one 
Welcome back, guy. It's good to be here. Um, what's it? <laughs> quick question. What's it like having a name, a gendered name? What guy? Yeah. Uh, Does anyone ever ask you? Yeah, I mean, my name is Guy Pigden. Right? Yeah. Now that presents two problems. <laughs> yeah. For my entire life. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, I think the problem with being called Guy is not that's a problem. It's quick. It's easy to spell. Although because it's not really a name, people do confuse. Like. What a lot of love people love people love calling me gray, which I don't think is a name either. To be honest, That's true that is a color. But anyway, people are convinced that my name is gray when I tell them it's guy. Yeah. Um, so I think it's more just an issue in the terms of like, what is it? Oh, yeah, you're a guy, guy, or whatever that terrible joke is. That terrible, terrible joke is that you've got for every time, just tickling in the front of your mind. <laughs> just know that I have heard that joke. <laughs> At least a million times. Yeah. So it's not funny to me, but it's also you're not original and you're not funny. And if that's what you're sort of coming up with when someone tells you their name, you should probably not be uh, thinking about telling jokes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's that's sort of my sort of stance on it. But um, I don't know why I thought about it. Uh, well, no, look, uh, and, uh, you know, if you want to be a little bit more serious, I mean, there is a reason I'm called Guy. It's not that my parents were like, you know, what's a great name? Guy. Yeah, because it's it's so simple. Uh, my my dad's brother was called Guy, right. and he died uh, when he was very young of cancer. And sort of about you know five ten years after he he passed away, he died when he was a kid. Uh, he, uh, basically, it was from uh, my grandmother inhaling sort of uh, chemicals in World War Two. Um, so and also in five ten years after he passed away, they sort of cancer cure there's no such thing as a true cure for cancer in a lot of cases but treatments for cancer mm. had advanced to the point where it wasn't cr- completely treatable and he would have lived so they called me guy because that was my 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 dad's brother's name and and so i'm named after him so well, that's a heavy story bro i know sorry to bring no, the tone down but that is exactly like you know that's that's yeah. uh if we rewind back thirty seconds, I'm giggling away the whole time. Yeah. So and look, I, take that I, unfunny <laughs> question. <laughs> and look, to be honest, I, I actually do think about that a lot. Um, I think about the life that he didn't have. Mm. I always think about that, and I think about. I hope that whatever I'm doing, the living that I'm doing, is doing justice mm. to his name and and to what he lost out on. So I. I, I do actually think about it a lot. So, you know, I am actually a, ultimately a big fan of my name. And so are we all. <laughs> okay. And this is clear. And this will forever be on the record. <laughs> um, one thing I've been thinking about that I'm interested to pick your brains about <clears throat> is um, it seems to be a bit of eroding of um, or a reimagining, let's put it that way, of how people fit together in society. And you see it in things like um, roles men and women play mm-hmm. and, and you know, um, some people not identifying as a man or woman. Mm-hmm. And, and <clears throat> I guess the thing is I'm, I have pretty much almost no position on that because if anything it's made me just trying to uh, you know talk to as many people as I can and how I've started describing it to people is that my goal is to have a thousand episodes of this hmm. and then after that try and find the through line of a world view you yeah know? so good good luck 
Right, and and I'm going to need it because yeah. if anyone's really going to sit down and critically analyse what does it mean and where do I fit in it and how much is played by culture and society and my own genetics, mm. you know, you're in for a world of hurt, and I'm I'm prepared for that because um, I think that it's worth it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, when it's it's no mistake when I say to you that when I'm, we're trying to find this meaning because mm. I think at a society level or societal level, people are really trying to find this meaning, you know, when they're getting it in, in things like group identity, you know, there's this whole big identity politics thing and stuff like that where it's about the group, not the individual. And I guess my, my kind of question is for you personally, mm. where do you get your kind of life view from your morals in life like is it simply to say that it's the kiwi way or it was your parents or because i would kind of think of you as quite a good person and and have you ever kind of critically thought what am, am i just running on autopilot here or is there kind of some some deeper networks at play you know at the times when i sit down and think ah nothing's for nothing i think um yeah, I think for me it was a big part of my upbringing and what my parents sort of instilled in me. My parents were not at all religious, for example. My dad was a philosopher. Um, so I was taught to question the world and really they really encouraged sort of critical thinking. Um, and, you know, why is something the way it is? Why is that right or wrong? Explain to me, justify um, and so I've sort of based everything on that. I do certainly have very strong opinions on what I think is right and wrong. Um, but I think it all sort of comes, I guess, initially from that upbringing, but also as I get older, I'm sort of changing and evolving. And, you know, I think I was, you know, like a more optimistic person when I was younger. I sort of used to believe you know, I did used to think that the universe was going to basically, you know, I would just open my arms and good things would come um, and it would all work out for me. And also the, 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 uh, uh, something that I think is a very mistaken concept that if you work hard and you're talented, things will work out for you <laughs> in the end. I really don't think that's true now. I really think that as a huge element of circumstance and luck involved, you need those two things as well. They're absolutely prerequisites, but actually uh, there's a lot more random elements at play. Right. Um, um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. Did that answer? No, it did answer it, but I guess the Where thing are you is, going, Will? Well, no, I'll, no, I'll I'm not going anywhere. Get to the bottom of this. No, 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 there's no bottom to get to. Well, that's, that, I think that's probably the... rabbit hole. I think that's probably the answer, too, is, yeah. is there is no... But that's kind of what I've realised as I've got older, is there is no bottom to get to. Yeah. Um, and I, I really do believe that with it, with everything is that you, there's just layers upon layers and there's no necessarily right or wrongs. Um, you know, I guess within society, you know, like at the moment, you know, obviously there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things going on, which I think is detrimental to art. Mm. Um, and I think all this, a lot of scapegoating, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of people piling on. People, you know, I think if you look at the way we react to things in the media now, the way we react to, to stories, the way we react to anything, mm. which is 
almost being sh- everyone getting offended and then trying to be- shame that person into apologizing for whatever they did or did not do i think is very bad and i think also the um no separation between an artist and a human being they are combined so we look right. at the person's art and they get the, we cannot separate the art from the human being so if the human being has done something bad then his art cannot no, can no longer his her art can no longer be viewed uh, with the the same consideration mm. i think that's a problem and i do think there is a, just a big problem because to me uh, stories, art, whatever you want, you know, I'm talking about this in the, in the um, you know, and from a storytelling, from a sort of a filmmaker's perspective, from a, from a movie-making perspective, and those stories is like art should shock, art should offend at times, art should do all these things that should provoke. And if we keep maintaining this direction... Um, to sort of like, you can't make jokes about this, you can't say things about that, you're not qualified um, to explore this idea mm. because you've never been through it. Yeah. All of these things I think are dangerous because I don't think, you know, and I've had sort of arguments, uh, you know, quite recently in terms of writing stuff is like, oh, we can't say that, we shouldn't say that. And it's like, whoa, well, why the hell yeah. <laughs> can't we say that? Yeah. We're not here to placate anyone. We're not here to pat them on the back and say, yeah, don't worry about it. We're not going to say that. To me, that is the yeah the antithesis of what art should be. And I'm not saying that art should always be super provocative. It can be the Avengers, mm. you know. But can we replace art with – can you replace art with life? Uh, is, that, is that too dangerous? Does that get you into so? If you're saying something silly in life, mm. are you are you provoking hate speech, for example? Yeah, I don't know. Again, I think it's all gone a few degrees too far. Yeah. Um, well, it requires police. Yeah. And that's the bit. Who's the moral police? Yeah. That's why I asked you about your upbringing. Yeah. Because if you now have to, okay, so guy yeah. is the person who can tell people what they can and can't have in movies. Yeah. At what point do you have to say, okay, you can either have anything you want yeah. or you can only have these few things and it just becomes tricky, right? And Absolutely. I, I don't know how, how did we do it? How do we get here? Or how did we do it better if we did do it better? Did we have more um, societal pressure to not be... Um, to not kind of make a fuss or a scene? Did that kind of keep us a bit under control? Are we um, the rabid dog now who can't stop attacking? A little bit. Mm. I think we are the rabid dog. Or is the rabid dog correct? Was that what we were always supposed to be and we didn't let it out of the cage? No, I, I think that we, yeah, we have gone too far that way. It is important, obviously, to be progressive and there are obviously certain topics and certain things that there should not be a debate about. Mm. However, that, so like, you know, for instance, equal rights, right? That's great. Equal rights is very important. Now, when you take that idea a little bit further and you go, okay, um, equal rights, but because 
oh, we haven't been doing equal rights. We now need to, you know, provide all these schemes and initiatives for for the people that missed out, you know, like, then you're kind of going a little bit the other way. Mm. Um, and I want to be careful with what I say because... I hear you, I hear you. Uh, you know, I don't want to be suggesting that there shouldn't be initiatives, but is it equal anymore, for example, uh, you know, to take a filmmaking example, if you have a grant only for women, right, is the world of getting funding for movies equal anymore? Mm. And I guess you would turn back and say, well, it doesn't matter because, you know, guys have had an advantage for so long that we have to do something. But, you know, obviously, I don't know if that really then justifies creating these certain things because aren't we all competing equally as men and women for just the funding? Right. I don't know. And so yeah. maybe it's a, something that it seems like a solution, but it's, you know, like a Band-Aid and you have to go a little bit deeper to say, well, what would it actually take for... Um, let's say guy yeah. and a girl called girl yeah. to have, you know, equal um, opportunity to make their film and get it funded. Yeah. Which, which sounds fair, right? Yes. And, and, and the quality of the work would be the, um, would be the judge. Yeah. But, uh, but I guess, you know, can we just preface to everyone listening that, you know, we live in this time now where you know we can we can often say the wrong thing, but it's the intent which I want to just highlight for a second and just say yeah. that um, I think you would agree with me that our intent is to not make a really any other position than to just talk about these things as if we were private, but to share the conversation. And that's right. And look, you know, like also this is my perspective is that I have worked. You know, I have been brought up in a household which never didn't treat women equally. Mm. You know, I've never been in a situation where I've ever qualified anything by saying that a girl can't do something that a guy can. That has never been my position. As a filmmaker, you know, my co-writer and creator of the series I'm working with is a woman mm. who I love working with and I think is an incredibly talented writer and, and creator. Um, and, and before that... I wrote for producers who were all female. Like, so I live in a world where all these positions aren't filled by just guys. Mm. Um, but my world, my worldview was not, you know, the sort of what we see as a whole. Mm. Um, but you know, uh, so you know, I can't speak to that. But you know, just from my position it, it just seems that we have maybe just pushed too far we've we've become too obsessed with making everything right that we're making things maybe wrong <laughs> by taking it to those extremes mm. sometimes i sometimes find a bit of hope in that you know like we were talking about before if things had gone all right mm. with anything we'd tried to do yeah maybe the um maybe we wouldn't find our ultimate 
passion, our ultimate goal, our ultimate glory, and the one thing we can do that no one else can do, you know? Mm. And maybe it's the same with this. Maybe it has to go in these swings and roundabouts, and it's got to go to the edge because what I'm finding is that, say, for example, since the time we've known each other, we've never hit on a topic like this. No. And so what we're actually doing, in my opinion, is trying to work through a a tough conversation um, yeah. In the public view, but where we're both trying to voice things that ultimately I think are good. Yeah, right? and I guess I'm just talking about what I'm concerned about because you also don't want to, um, you don't want to create a situation where people feel so constricted by uh, the new, uh, the new status quo mm. that they can no longer. Uh, you know, express themselves and uh, do the things that, you know, they believe that they, you know, should, Uh, you know, like, it's a really tough, it's a really tough time. And I don't think it's very good for, for, um, for anyone, really. Um, I am very glad that, you know, um, a lot of things coming into light and people are, you know, there's consequences to actions that, you know, for years there were no consequences for. Um, but I am also worried uh, about where it all ends, um, you know, in terms of where we end with equality. Do we truly end with equality or do we end with it skewed the other way, um, trying to make up for these past mistakes? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I don't have the answer. That's just what I'm worried about. Mm, I think everyone's worried about it. And... You know, you're a brave person and you're a wrong person if you say you have the answer. Mm. You know, um, I don't think the answer is that simple. And I think through history of time, we've had to, um, like history didn't start yesterday, yep. you know, and, and and it takes really good minds to do, to, to, to change ideas and perspectives. And, and I think that's what hopefully these po- kind of podcasts do too. You know, they, they will allow someone on either side of anything to look at a couple dudes chatting it out, mm. you know, not out there doing graffiti on walls or, you know, doing naughty things, yep. you know, we're here talking and, and I think that's, that's really cool. <sighs> we went there. We did. There, there we go. There's some, there's some good sound bites in there. <laughs> <coughs> okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about Alex Savage. Okay. Um, and the, the whole thing that's going on. Yes. So you committed to this Alex Savage. I did. And if you could do it again, would you say, for example, would Alex Savage have a number two on the sides and back? It's really interesting because again, this is all the evolution. I don't. Uh, we're, we're all just making it up as we go along, and you know, for me, you know, my my character is kind of a bit of a throwback. He's a little bit retro because I'm wanting to reference all the guys that I grew up mm-hmm. watching who I like. So I'm actually a bit more old school in the way that I might wrestle compared to some of the other people because you know they're all influenced by what's going on today. Mm. I sort of. Take I when I go on the WWE network, I'm looking up stuff from the 90s <laughs> and the 80s and stuff like that. Awesome. So um, I think, and it's the same with filmmaking. It's the same with writing. It's the same with everything. Is you have to separate yourself in some way, whatever that way is. So when I started as Alex Savage, I didn't think that I was going to have these mutton chops. I, I didn't even know my name was going to be Alex Savage. Um, 
I didn't know I was going to have this 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 mullet or the uh, Fukuhila. Is Fukuhila, it? It's like Germans like to. <laughs> so Will let me in on that earlier. So um, I didn't think I'd necessarily look like this um, at all. When I originally started, I thought I'd look nothing like this. Describe for our audio listeners what you look like. So basically, I have kind of long, curly, shaggy grey hair, but in a very long, long mullet mm. at the back. And then I also have these big mutton chops, Wolverine-esque, I would say, with large patches of grey in them. Um, and that's and it, it does, I think, Will, you can vouch, make me look probably 10 years older than I did when I'm clean-shaven and I have a normal haircut. Yes, but I think you've never really liked that look anyway. Yeah. That's the look you think you look the best in. Yes. But it's not the look you feel comfortable in. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it <laughs> took me, but it did take me a while to get used to the true, the the, the, the mutton chops for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I didn't, this was kind of an evolution and this is when I kind of struck upon this Wolverine-esque character because I saw, I mean, I'd saw all the X-Men movies and I was not enthused, uh, I, although I love Wolverine, the character, but then I saw Logan and I was like, wow. Like, yeah, the kind of the grizzled, older <laughs> dude, that version of Wolverine is actually very similar to what I could do. Why isn't it Logan Savage? Um, because, you know, you don't want to go too, too close. Far. Also, Savage is a reference to the Macho Man Randy Savage, who's True. one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Mm. And, you know, Savage is, and he's savage, he's a beast, he's, he's savage. Watch out. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, is it just a combination of uh, influences and, and factors? But that's kind of why I settled on this look. And my girlfriend uh, is a big fan of it. And in fact, <laughs> she's kind of really signed on because I look like this. If I g- went back to the sort of the clean, cl- clean shaven, she would not. Oh, well, she's already expressed a lot of uh, trepidation about that concept and reluctance. Wow. So yeah, I, I kind of I had to reverse engineer. I had to you know, normally you'd you'd meet someone when you look normal and then you would change your appearance and they go, Well, it's different and it's it's not as good, but I, I love you anyway. Mm. Whereas this one she was like, Oh, th- I want you to look like this. Like the savage. I want that this is this is exactly what I want, so don't ever change that. This is confirming my theory. It's all opposite. Yeah. You know, it is. You thought, yeah, the other guy, yeah, was the guy, yep. But the savage got the girl, yeah, absolutely, and um, and yeah, even in terms of my character, this is not really what I imagined, but it's well, I found that it really works for me. And again, you want to talk about opposites? I thought for sure that I was gonna be a bad guy in wrestling. I thought without a shadow of a doubt this character should be kind of a bad guy. Mm. He should do bad things. I can I can, I can be a prick, mm. you know, like I I have that within me. That uh, The chaos within. Uh, but if they were like, no, we want you to be a good guy. We want you to be a face. Uh, there's baby faces and there's heels. A heel is a bad guy. A baby face is a good guy. Mm. Hence baby face as in a, as in a good looking, they, 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 they call them blue eyes in England. Because it's a blue-eyed young kid, mm. and you can really get behind a handsome, blue-eyed, good-looking kid. And then, of course, I'm kind of debuting as like the antithesis of that. Mm. But I'm still a good guy, and 
again, it's not what I expected. But now that I'm doing it, I'm like, hey, actually, I really like being a good guy. And I'm really enjoying that trying to, and like, because it's harder to be a good guy than it is to be a bad guy. It's easy. In real life as well. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But it's easy to walk out there and, and get people to boo you, just insult some fans and flip them off. And, you know, I mean, it's, PG, so mm. I would just insult some fans. You just do upside down. Uh, exactly. Thumbs. Give them the thumbs down and yeah. and sort of taunt them and all that. It's easy to get people, and even if they don't care, it doesn't matter because you can say, well, it doesn't matter because I don't care about you. Mm. But when you're a good guy, if the crowd is not behind you, if the crowd is not engaged with you, the match is dead and done and you're in trouble. And it's much harder because if they don't care, you can't abuse them. <laughs> To get, you know, you can't provoke reactions in the same way. You have to generate the sympathy through your match. Um, and that is a much, to me, more difficult proposition. I kind of feel like if you seriously replace all the stuff you've talked about wrestling with life, it would be way more easier. It's like we're talking about these make-believe things as a substitute for what we're talking about, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I don't quite know what to do with that information, Guy. Okay. I tell you what, I'm gonna uh, we're going to wrap up the podcast and I'm going to have a think about it. Yeah. Um, this is – I think we should have another go at this at some stage because oh. Oh, just like – I'd like you to be like the first kind of repeat guest, uh, a regular. I, I love having these chats. I love having these talks. Uh, it's a great excuse for us to catch up personally, I which I also enjoy. I agree. Um, so I'm happy to do it and I'm, I'm happy to come back anytime you want me. There's a lot to cover. Um, okay, final question. What is one thing in your life that blew your mind? Meaning what happened and why can you not see the world the same? Might be a piece of information, maybe an experience. What's yep. one thing that blew your mind? I think one of the biggest mind blowing things to me was I made, I got funding for my first feature film. Uh, I survived a zombie holocaust, which is available on DVD and iTunes and in Mighty Ape. You can order it online. So mm-hmm. you visit the Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash. I S A Z H. We go. Um, sorry to, but I think the 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 most mind blowing thing for me is that I had centered my whole existence and my whole life building up to this, doing this one thing, which was becoming a filmmaker, becoming a director, and making a feature film. Like I, I just kind of put all my worth into that mm. goal, into that pursuit for. Uh, uh, really just about a decade from sort of 16 until I was, you know, 26, 27 when it sort of, when when, when we got this fun. And I, I put everything into it and I attributed everything into it. And I thought when I wasn't happy, I was like, yes, yeah, because I'm not a director. It's, it's, that's why. Uh, but as soon as I do that, I will be fulfilled and I will be, uh, I will feel amazing and everything life will just make sense life will make sense once i'm doing that because that's the thing that i'm meant to be doing that's the thing i'm destined to be doing all the things i thought in my head and when i did it none of those things happened uh absolutely none of those things happened it was and i'm very grateful i've done it and all the stuff but it was an incredibly it was the hardest thing i ever had to do in my life make that movie it was the most stressful thing i've ever had to do in my life the amount of drama and uh just uh ongoing uh 
you know, battles and despair on a daily basis through that shoot. It was just so difficult and all shoots don't have to be like this, but that one was for me. It was not, there was fun elements within it, but it you could never say that, I don't know, 90% of it was fun uh, at all, which is obviously what, what I, the opposite of what I imagined. Mm. Um, and so all of this, and I was like, oh, okay. You were ch-. So I think the mind-blowing thing for me was you achieve your huge goal, your huge vision, whatever that is, and you achieve it, and it doesn't solve everything. It does not make your life great all of a sudden just like that. You simply find something else, another goal to work towards. You simply... You know, you reach the top of the mountain and look up and see that you just, it's the mountain doesn't actually end. Uh, You just kind of went through those clouds and there's another huge mountain ahead of you. The goalposts just shift forward. You know, you thought you'd reach the try line. No, there is no try line. It just keeps going. And so I think that was one of my biggest mind-blowing life revelations. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is not this has not solved everything. This has not solved my life the way I thought it would. So what am I gonna do now? Now that I know that, like what's my next move and, and like how am I going to find other things or ways to quote unquote solve my life mm-hmm. in a way that I thought this making this becoming a director becoming officially becoming director officially directing a feature film would what is that so i think that was a uh, that was a very that was a huge revelation That's for me an awesome one and and why keep climbing you go through the clouds yep. you see there's another hill why um well what i think and again this does sound very cheesy and i know it's probably a little cliche but i guess what i took away from that is I have to stop fixating so much on that huge goal, that huge thing. And I have to enjoy the process of reaching the top of that next mountain. I have to find a way in myself to enjoy that more. So it's not all about the destination because when you get to the destination, it actually doesn't mean as much as you thought it does. Mm -hmm. You know, so in life where can we go we still got to set all those goals but that that journey towards that next thing i have to make that more pleasurable for me i have to find a way that i can take a lot from that and it is not so much centered on this thing solving it all it's like enjoy reaching up until that point and then at that point make a new thing and enjoy reaching the next thing yeah um you really believe that Absolutely, I do. Um, for my for my filmmaking, for my process, absolutely is, um, uh, and even just for whatever I do is like take take enjoyment as you go along, um, because when you reach there, you m- might find it is completely unfulfilling. You might find it's completely opposite of what you imagined, mm. as we sort of talked about, um. And you also might find, especially within filmmaking or whatever, that the thing you did, people don't love or respond to mm. the way you wanted it to. So if you attributed all your worth to that thing, you're going to be incredibly destroyed and depressed by that. If you were taking pleasure in the people you work with, the ideas you got to put forward, 
the 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 process that the the challenges that you overcame day to day to make that great shot or have that uh funny moment or that special little cinematic thing whatever it was like if you can if if you enjoy that every day then when you get to the end yeah sure it's still going to be disappointing and you're still going to maybe feel a little bit lost but it's going to be a million times better than if you looked at it the way I sort of originally did nice do you think there's another way to do this or did you have to go through that journey I think for me I had to go through I think a lot of us do have to go I mean I I know my one of my ex-girlfriends traveled the the length she walked the length of New Zealand she walked it and that was one of her goals. She raised heaps of money um, and she, you know, saw amazing sights. But I said, well, how did it feel at the end when you got to the end? Like, you know, she goes, uh, uh, just, it wasn't that great. I mean, I was pretty relieved to get through that last, the last couple of days because I wanted to be over. Mm. But when I got to the end, I wasn't like, oh, man, I feel this huge wave of euphoria and uh, it wasn't really like that at all. I was just kind of tired and ready to go home and, like, yeah, I did it and and I think that's what we, we often get. And that she, you know, that was, I could never do what she did. So do something every day that you enjoy well enough that you do it every day for your whole life. Well, also just, you know, just like, you know, if you're working towards these big things, just enjoy it, mm. getting to it. Don't think, like, it's not all about that final destination. And I know that is a little bit cliche, but it has definitely helped me in my mindset Boom. as I as I go forward. I think the world needs a few more cliches, man. Maybe we're, they we're do. We're forgetting them, you know. We're forgetting the sm- simple sm- small stuff. Yep. And Alex Savage, you're a nice guy. See? Well, thanks, man. You're not a you're not a bad guy. Appreciate guy, that. thanks for joining me, man. And I uh, look forward to having you on the podcast again sooner than later. Cool. Sweet. That's us. Thanks a lot. You good. I'm, I'm great. Good. Do we need to do one of those sleep and when you wake up, you will forget everything? <laughs> no. I, I feel like we're all good at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's wrap it up here. Thank you. Just quickly, before I do my big ask, let me tell you a bit about me. My name is Will Fleming and I'm almost 38 years old. I love my family and my job as a video creator. I'm slowly turning into a grumpy old man who can't tolerate how society is being oversimplified and undercomplicated because people can't be bothered looking up and saying hi. Get off my lawn. So my plan is to have more awesome conversations with amazing people inside a caravan built in a mobile podcast studio and that's where I need your help. (sighs) So let me break down my big idea a little more. It's a mobile podcast live stream caravan. Imagine a road with a caravan. And inside that caravan on a road is a podcast studio with two beautiful people. You see, we don't need more clickbait, short form, oversimplified, oversimplified, chicken nugget type content of one size fits all. What we need is long form, interesting content that puts the human back into the internet. But I need your help. I need your help, bro. And it all starts by building this mobile studio. And thanks to the magic of dad science, I've worked out exactly what I need. I need... One million dollars. I need you to help donate what you can to raise $10,000 to buy an old caravan, do it up, and invite you on a road trip of ideas that will blow your mind. The question I have is, will you back me up? Will you help me? If the answer is yes, 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 then please click on my give a little page and donate what you can to make this dream come true. Do it! Just do it!
Okay, catch you later.